the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. If it's the second hour of Monday, it is our privilege and pleasure to bring back Brandon Weicker, who joins us every Monday. He is the author of Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, one of the best books of the year, and the publisher of The Weikert Report. Brandon, how are you faring, brother? Well, uh, as, you, as you know and your audience probably doesn't, I'm currently on day seven of COVID, and uh it is not uh, not a pleasant disease. Luckily, I am still able to be upright. My wife has it ten times worse than I do, but um, you know we're 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 hanging in there. And I would just uh, encourage everyone to not downplay this disease. You know, wash your hands, wear the mask. Because I made the mistake of going to an event uh, a week and a half ago, or my wife did, and ended up getting it there and brought it into the family, and now we've all got it. Um, so. That's my public service message, I guess, of the day. Is you think you were the you point. think you were the vector here in the house, huh? Uh, I wasn't. My wife was actually. I I did not go to that particular event. It was uh, for her beloved. Uh, my wife does a women's group for uh-huh. her church, uh-huh. and they went. They had a leadership meeting, and one of the ladies didn't know she had yeah. the disease, and then called us last Sunday and was like, you know, hey, I've got it. Uh, not a big deal, she said. I got, I'm already getting over it. But then about a few hours later, my wife and then I started exhibiting symptoms, got tested. and It hits uh, different uh, people uh, differently. Uh, to, oh, right? yes. Yeah, sure. Yes, it's, it's a very weird disease. Did your yes, wife wear a mask a very... when she was with her? No, no. Interesting. Nobody did. Interesting. No. Well, you but have our, you have our best thoughts, and I'm glad you guys haven't... You. Uh, haven't uh, I'm glad it's it's not been worse than it has been. Let me put it that way. Thank yes. you. Been bad though, but yeah. that is, you know, luckily it's not deadly for us. Talk so, to me so about something you were monitoring um, over the course of last week. This cyber hack on our government. Yeah, it's a yeah. funny thing. It was a big deal, and now it's gone away. Kind of like the explosion in Lebanon. You know, it's right, it's two right, days right. of news, and then it just yeah, goes yeah, away. Yeah. On to the next thing. Uh, I can tell you, this is a big deal. Um, I, as you know, I have a lot of a lot of very good friends, um, not all of whom agree with us politically, but a lot of good friends who work in cyber uh, security, both in the private sector and for various military and intelligence units. Every one of them, regardless of their politics, has said this is the worst breach in American history. Uh, and yes, they wanted me to. Everybody that I've spoken to has said, please make sure your readers understand that this so far has come from Russia. And it is imperative that we recognize that uh, this is from Russia. And um, Russia is doing this, I think, and I have an article pending right now on this. Russia's doing this, I think, because they're concerned about uh, what the Biden team is talking about doing. They're talking about a high-cost imposition strategy that goes beyond sanctions directed against Russia upon swearing in 
of President Biden mm-hmm. uh, in January. So Putin is not a fool. He knows right now we're mired in this absurd succession crisis. We're, we're more suspicious of each other than we are of the, the external threat. And so he and other enemies are exploiting the, this point of weakness in our, in our, in our country's history. And um, this happened, this, this solar winds hack, it's actually been going on since March. Uh, actually, this is, unfortunately, this makes the president look very bad because this, these are his federal agencies. And I don't know what Chris Kreps and those guys uh, were Chris doing. Kreps took some responsibility, I saw, uh, which, yes, by did. the way, he kind of yes, sickens me, so I was glad to see that he did. Yeah, yes, yes. But, but ultimately, of course, the buck stops with the president. Of course, so, of course. You know, unfortunately, this is another thing they're going to use against him. Yep. And, uh, you know, he did take cyber serious for a guy who's not really a computer guy. I do know that, you know, he was pretty serious about cyber, but sort of in an esoteric way. I think this highlights this attack, highlights a generational problem for both parties. Both parties put forward leaders to run for president who were septuagenarians and who don't understand computer technology. And most Americans that I talk to, particularly the elderly, they don't seem to understand that this is pretty serious. This may not be a 9-11, but it's much more toward that end of the spectrum than it is just your typical sort of cyber intrusion. The Russian cyber attackers targeted America's nuclear uh, administration, the way that we, we handle our nuclear weapons systems, the way we handle nuclear uh, energy. This agency, the, NNS, the NNSA, the National Nuclear Safety Administration, which is a subset of the Department of Energy, was specifically targeted by the Russians. And I believe this is part of a larger attempt to debilitate our nuclear our, our nuclear arsenal, or at least to, to sow the seeds of doubt among American decision makers about the efficacy of America's nuclear arsenal, because Russia is setting the table, I think, for a big standoff with us at the nuclear level. They've already launched last week the, the uh, Russian um, uh, low-Earth orbit uh, anti-satellite weapon. This was in conjunction with the solar winds breach. Uh, last week, they also tested their hypersonic missile in the Arctic, the Zircon B. This is part of a larger movement on the part of Russia. The threat level has never been higher, and we're asleep at the switch. And so the president and Biden need to put aside their differences, and the two men need to come together, and they need to transition much clearer, and they need to be much more uh, 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 together on the fact that we're under attack. It doesn't matter what our party is. We're right now under the largest cyber attack that this country has ever experienced. And by the way, this is just the beginning. They're going to have the ability, because the cyber, the cyber espionage uh, uh, operation right now, that's what it is, uh, is, is still in the system. It's still ongoing. And all of my colleagues in cyber are saying, because they're already there, it's going to be a lot easier for the Russians to escalate now and make this into a full-blown attack where they could target our nuclear capability. They could target our, our, our very significant uh, and very threatened ability to deter the Russians in the real world, which is the goal of this. So right now they're saying it's a cyber espionage campaign, and it is. But this is the largest thing we've the hack we've ever experienced, and it could very easily escalate into a full-blown attack that we are still not yet defended against. I have a lot of questions now that you, uh, you've raised, so that's a great outlining of it. First of all, is that... Is this the new face of warfare? Is war fought yes. with ones and zeros now? Yes. Okay. Yes, and in space, because we can't see it. Anywhere we don't, we don't see it. So economics with the Chinese, Chinese have for decades mastered geoeconomics or economic warfare. 
The Russians have mastered cyber, so have the Chinese. Both the Russians and Chinese are working assiduously on space weapons. Uh, and these are all areas that most Americans don't view as traditional modes of warfare, or they look at them as competitive areas. This is warfare. This is the new face of total war. In my opinion, I've said this to you before, 2020 marked the beginning of the Third World War. We are already there. It's happening now. And both parties, Trump included, Biden especially, are asleep at the switch on this. And no one at the top level of policymaking seems to quite understand what we're, what we're going up against. This is a sustained attempt from our enemies, whether they're aligned fully or not, like the Nazis and the Japanese were, I don't know. But this is a sustained effort from the Chinese beginning with COVID-19 to now this with the Russians. I'm telling you, we're, we're up next is going to be targeting the national power grid, and up next is also going to be a, a space Pearl Harbor, as I write about in my book. This thing is just getting started. Now, do Russia and China do this to each other, or is it in this triangle of superpowers just the United States that's the victim? I know Iran's another animal we'll talk about in a second, but as, as, as far as the superpowers go, do Russia and China do this, or are we just the victims? Uh, no, actually... It's funny because it's it's sort of uh, Wild West cyberspace. So it's everything, anything goes. And we do things to them. They do things to us. They do things to each other. Um, if you'll remember a few years ago, there was a big uh, talk between Putin and Xi over a nuclear energy agreement, $400 billion. Or it might have been a billion. I don't remember now. But it was a significant amount of money for a nuclear uh, power agreement. And um, there was a lot of fighting going on behind the scenes between the Chinese and Russian militaries because they were trying to jockey for better positioning in the deal. And so these things do happen, but they've seen in the last couple of years especially, these two powers seem to have really set aside their differences. And while there's certainly significant differences, they're unified in the fact that they want to cut America down to size. This is a common theme you hear in both the Russian state media and the Chinese state media. They want to cut down America's size, and so they're willing to set aside differences, however temporarily, in order to go after the United States, and they're doing it. It's, in, it's seeing... in their interest mutually to have a weakened United States. Quick yes. break, Brandon. We'll rest your voice. We'll come back. I have more on this to ask <laughs> you as well as other things. We're talking to Brandon Weikert, author of Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower. Happy to take your questions, too. 602 5080960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Delighted to have as our guest, as we do every Monday, um, Brandon Weikert. He is the author of Winning Space. Brandon, a couple questions rolled in during the break. One personal, but sort of public policy oriented, I suppose, and one on this topic. Let me do the personal first, so, and then we'll return to the uh, cyber attack. Sure. Um, if you don't mind saying, uh, this listener said she was very interested in knowing what medications, if any, over-the-counter or otherwise you were taking to yeah. help treat you. Yeah. So the doctor, uh, our doctor here, is a great guy. Uh, he's actually a DO, uh, old, old military guy, and he... Um, he he has told us that there's really nothing there's nothing special that we can take. Um, he was initially in the beginning of the year. I remember uh, he was very keen on hydroxychloroquine, but now he is he said that it's just not it's not effective. Um, 
So he, he just said, you know, a lot of vitamin D, vitamin C, um, you know, a bunch of over-counter stuff, but zinc, lots of zinc. In fact, down here in Florida, uh, at least southwest Florida, there's a run on zinc uh-huh, products. Sure. Um, sure. So uh, Tylenol helps. I, I tend to do a cocktail of Tylenol and melatonin at night to help me sleep. Um, uh, my father, my parents, they live down here. They've also gotten it uh, from us, from the Christmas party we all went to a week ago, or two weeks ago. Um, and he's he's been doing the, the NyQuil, DayQuil, uh-huh. so that helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's really nothing special. It's just a lot of multivitamins and, uh, you know, vitamin D and, and zinc. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he said to my wife this morning when she did the telehealth thing, um, he, you know, he's 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 had it twice now. The disease this year, and because he's front line, he's getting uh, the vaccine in about a week. Okay. Uh, and he said that he is going to take it, no questions asked, because he cannot get it again. He said this is it gets worse every time. Oh, is that right? Okay. And, okay. Yeah, and so he said for us, you know, as a doctor, he recommended that we we take it as soon as it's available for for us ordinary people. Okay. Um, and I'm at this point, I am on board with that. Yeah, you don't need this, this is, again. Sure. It's really bad. It's really bad. Brandon, thank you. Um, From listener Hal, uh, maybe you understand (laughs) this better than I do. Um, Will taking sensitive systems off of the Internet make it harder to compromise them? Um, You know, that is a theory that they talked about, but now um, they're finding, for instance, there are actually pretty easy ways to get into, for instance, an air-gapped computer, which is a computer that is not connected to the Internet, either through Wi-Fi or hardline. Uh, A group of Israeli scientists uh, released a paper. It was documented. uh, I read it about a week ago in Popular Mechanics. Uh, Basically, they they can easily hack into an air-gapped computer. Um, And so a similar, the concern is that that can be scaled up and that some kind of similar technique can be used to get into computer systems that are not connected to the Internet. If I'm remembering the Titan Rain hack in 2005, which was when uh, the People's Liberation Army, the Chinese, they hacked into the Pentagon's secure network. This part of the network was not connected to the, the external Internet. It was connected via an intranet to the rest of the Pentagon, but it wasn't connected to the outside world. Nevertheless, they were able to hack in and steal the F-35, what was then the prototype um, schematics, and figure out all the weaknesses and everything. Uh, And that was on a system that was technically not connected to the wider web. Um, So it's the idea of disconnecting, I've always been very skeptical of it just because of how how they these these hackers, particularly state actors, are so invested in breaching. I mean, this is what they do. Mm-hmm. They're so invested in breaching a s- supposedly secure system that um, they figure out very innovative ways. Like I said, the Israelis have figured out this way to break into air gap computers. I was reading somewhere that another a group of Americans, for fun, were bre- breaching into one of their uh, college computers, air gapped secure networks that did genetics research. Now they were doing that with permission, but they were doing it to show that it's the, air, the idea of being disconnected from a computer, if it can receive anything, which all computers can, the probability that a, a committed hacker will figure out a way in, particularly one that belongs to a great state receiving a lot of funding and training and resources, 
they're going to find a way to break in. And so, um, you know, a long-term strategy, they, they talk a lot about, at least the conferences I've been to, is trying to figure out a way to get kind of the, the physical infrastructure of the Internet to kind of a 2.0 phase, where, remember, the, the initial Internet, there's inherently no security in the Internet, because it was designed originally as an intranet only for DARPA in the right, 80s. Right. That, then, of course, we scaled it out. The problem was we didn't we didn't take into account any of the security barriers we would need to protect information. So fundamentally, it's an unsecure system. So they, so Eric Schmidt and a lot of these people in Silicon Valley have been talking about actually basically rebuilding the internet from the ground up so that you can have inherently secure information flows but that's a huge undertaking and i you know our government can't even figure out how to pave the roads i don't have any faith that they'd be able to have the, the stomach to, to fund and provide leadership in in doing such a program so you know for now i i have no i have very little faith that that taking systems off the internet is a is a long-term solution to a very long-term problem okay good good answer good thought uh there brandon uh or at least a good tour of the issue. Uh, let me go back to Russia and China for a moment, because it does seem to me we are in an interesting and odd space where most of the time you and I talk about foreign problems, we're talking mostly about China. It looks like this one was more Russia or was Russia. Um, and you we're talking before the break a little bit about, you know, this alliance against us. Russia and China have obvious obvious differences and struggles with each other. But to each other, they're little Satans and we're the great Satan. Is that the right way to look right. at it? Okay. Right, right. And you have to also throw in Iran. Yeah. And to a lesser to a lesser extent, North Korea. I say lesser extent because the one, and this is yet another success that Trump has not given credit for, the Hail Mary diplomatic move to, to get nice with uh, Kim Jong-un, there, there was, until the last few months, a real attempt from the, the Pyongyang to actually play relatively nice with the United States. They kept developing their nukes, but we knew they were going to do that no matter what. At least we got them to stop popping off nuclear missiles, or ICBMs at least, that could potentially have nuclear missiles over Japan and toward Hawaii. Uh, it stabilized things. Uh, North Korea, though, now Biden is saying, he's been saying for a, a while since the campaign, that he's going to reset the relationship with North Korea and return to the way we used to handle let, let me Korea. pause you on that. Let me pause you on yeah. that. Let you rest your voice, because I want to pick up yeah. on that. I want to pick up on what a putative Biden administration does foreign policy-wise that can unwind certain successes we've achieved under the Trump administration. As we go to break, let me put in a word, talking of getting... All your vitamins, balance of nature. Let me put in a word for my favorite product, which is balance of nature. You know, eating the right foods ensures you get the nutrients into your body that are essential to maintain your health, your vitality, your immunity. And it's also true that if you're not getting enough fruits and veggies, you could be seriously deficient in those um, very nutrients so vital for your health. And that's where balance of nature comes in. Um, it is fantastic. Ten servings of fruits and veggies every single day. Great deal where they're offering free shipping and 35% off any new preferred order. Check them out at balanceofnature.com. Use discount code BALANCE.
Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. I am Seth. Brandon Whitegitter is our guest. He's the author of Winning Space. We're talking foreign policy, data breaches, all that sort of thing. Brandon, North Korea, China, the Middle East, some, I guess, in decreasing uh, order, uh, some major foreign policy successes on uh, uh, credited to Donald Trump, deservedly so. But they are reversible. Um, give us give us the worst things that we could do with a Biden administration on each of those countries. That, that for me is very important is not only the creation of Space Force, but the reinvigoration of, of our space program, both the, the uh, NASA as well as the um, uh, private space sector. Yep. And I don't know if you saw the political article, but they, they seem to have been uh, reading my Washington Times piece and my Real Clear Politics piece from about two weeks ago and decided to go the other way yeah. because uh, Pam Malloy who's one of the Biden transition team members is for NASA. She's a former astronaut. She and her little cabal are really pushing hard for NASA under Biden to do joint missions with, with China, um, space missions, which will be the greatest tech transfer in the history of this country uh, to the Chinese. Um, so, that, so changing what Trump did in space, which is what they're talking about doing now, um, initially they weren't, uh, is going to be the biggest disaster because, as I've been telling, telling you and writing about in my book, we're due for a space Pearl Harbor. And the Space Force and all of the attention that Trump gave to the space program and space policy, uh, all of that is what will help prevent a space Pearl Harbor. Now it sounds like they might be rolling some of those back. So that, for us directly, would be the most dangerous thing we could do. In terms of foreign policy, um, it looks like the Biden team wants to really go back into the Iran nuclear agreement. It looks like Iran wants us, of course, to go back in there into that nuclear agreement. Although even one of Biden's foreign policy people, who's close to Ben Rhodes, apparently tweeted uh, that and told Politico that they don't know if we can actually go back into the agreement because uh, things have changed so significantly uh, in terms of Iran's nuclear weapons development and in terms of where we are as a country and in terms of where the region is, the Middle East, uh, you know, they, they, it might not be uh, as relevant as it might have been uh, four or five years ago. Uh, and we know that the, the Trump team has put together a really solid budding alliance between the Sunni Arab states and Israel, and it looks like that momentum is continuing on uh, even as Trump is ready to leave the White House, which is a good thing, and will actually check some of the excessive things that Biden wants to do in the Middle East, such as reentering the Iran deal, weakening Israel. Uh, Biden, apparently, Blinken, uh, who's the Secretary of State nominee, uh, wants to basically throw a bunch of U.S. forces into Syria uh, to, quote, regain leverage there. Uh, and so that's something that, that, that if they could do those things, would be a disaster um, in the Middle East. It would suck us right back into the quicksand politics of the region uh, and make us weaker, not stronger. Uh, like I said before the break, North Korea, uh, Biden wants to return to the way we did things before 2017, which is bad, because before we weren't talking to each other, and it was expressly the failures of the Obama administration that led to those very harrowing, harrowing moments between Trump administration and Kim Jong-un in 2017, where 
Kim Jong-un, you know, almost fired a nuclear weapon at Hawaii. And so uh, Trump, Trump saved us from that. And um, I would hope that Biden does not follow through on his, his promise to go back to the way of handling North Korea the way they used to before Trump. It's a bad idea. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Russia. Uh, Biden is obsessed with Russia and, you know, going after Putin. And, and that's fine to a point, but to the extent that it creates a situation where we then risk a war with nuclear-armed Russia as opposed to standing up strong in China, uh, which is what's going to happen, it's a trade-off, it's a bad trade-off, uh, the Biden team appears intent on doing greater deals with China and stabilizing our relationship with China, returning it to the way it was before Trump, and escalating the confrontations with Russia which is a bad idea. Let me do this. Let me take a break and pick up on that when yeah. we come back. I want to get a sense from you of how beholden to China you think Biden is, given the things we've learned about Hunter, uh, your sense of the need for a special prosecutor. Let's get into all that when we come back. We'll be right back with more from Brandon Weikert, author of Winning Space. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. If you're in the real estate market or entering it to buy a house, sell a house, you want to call my friend James Wexler of JMG Real Estate. If you're buying, he has a private database of homes that will soon be going on the market. If you're selling, he has a proprietary and state-of-the-art marketing technology. He guarantees to sell your home at market value or pay the difference, and he can make you an upfront guaranteed offer, too, within 24 hours. He has... As the only realtor in Scottsdale, over 500 five-star reviews. That's unheard of. Over 500 five-star reviews. Give him a call at 480-386-0711 or visit James Wexler online at jameswexler.com. That's James Wexler, W-E-X-L-E-R.com. We're talking to my friend Brandon Weikert, author of Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower. Uh, China, uh, Brandon... Uh, so much uh, in the news as far as you and I can propel it. Seems like a lot of the media has an interest in putting the quietus on it. But I have seen no reason to um, abandon the fact that we should have more hair on fire over China. And uh, the putative <clears throat> Biden presidency makes me even more worried about that. How far into the Biden family do you think China reaches? Honestly, um, it's not just the Biden family. Okay. It's, every single, it's every single person who's up in D.C. You go into their financial background, if you can get a clean look at it from either party, you're going to find people who've been compromised for years in some cases, uh, usually through legal means, by the way. That's the worst part is that there's – I mean, That's what's tricky that, about this special prosecutor, kind of. We're right, not sure if right. the law has actually because been – right. Our country lobbying is legal, and so yeah. you know Eric Swalwell is an extreme case of, of a, frankly, a Chinese agent that got very sloppy. Yeah, um, you know, very, very sloppy. Uh, Biden, Hunter Biden, got sloppy because, technically speaking, there's so much that should be not allowed that is, at the very least, in a legal gray area 
that, you know, we can make Hunter Biden an issue, and we should, uh, but he's, he's, not, he's small potatoes compared to how the Chinese with money, and it's not just China, it's basically every major company, every multinational corporation through lobbying has infested every single layer of our government with, uh, you know, people who are going to do their bidding at the expense of the American people. And that's why you've had 40 years of deindustrialization and policies enacted in Congress by both parties uh, supporting that, that has gutted the American middle class, that has gutted middle America. Remember, deindustrialization, as Selena Zito pointed out in her great book on the issue four years ago, deindustrialization uh, began under Jimmy Carter. Mm-hmm. This was a Carter initiative. That was that the full the recognition then, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And, that, and then the Republicans picked it up, and this was Reagan's big problem. He picked it up with great lot and he ran with it, and it became a bipartisan consensus. Got to be careful about those. And, uh, you know, it, it's not just Stalwell. It's not just Hunter Biden. There's so much that we allow our elected leaders and their families to do that, that if any one of us did, we would probably go to prison for. But it's allowed up there. People look the other way, and also the laws are written in such ways to allow for this behavior. You know, most of these elected people, when they get elected, the first thing they do is form a 501c3, a nonprofit. And then they hire their friends and family members back home. And their friends and family members, suddenly these 501c3s uh, that are, you know, technically headed by uh, the congressman's wife or the congressman's child, they start getting all this money pouring in. Well, it's pouring in from overseas because these other countries are not stupid. They realize if we give this 501c3 the money, they're going to pay their family members ostensibly to help, you know, you pick your pet cause. But in actuality, as we saw with the Clinton Global Initiative, uh, most of these 501c3s, the money just goes into the back pocket of the elected officials, family, and friends. And uh, it's one big, you know, back-rubbing convention. And then, and then they vote in favor of their donors. And that's how this thing works. So the system itself needs to be completely broken apart because we can go after Hunter Biden. We can go after the, the, the lady who, who got in with Eric Swalwell thing, and thing. many yeah. others. Yeah. But the, the problem is, is the system encourages even worse behavior and makes it legal. Who's good on this in the Senate? Who's good on this? I think Josh Hawley None is good them. on this. No, I don't think anybody's good on it. Tom Cotton. They're not going to. I mean, yes, Tom Cotton and Josh Hawley are good on it. Uh, Pompeo, spoke, he's not in anymore, obviously, yeah. but he's spoken about it. The problem is, though, ultimately, the whole system for both parties is predicated on soaking up as much donor money as possible. And so and I'm not casting aspersions on Hawley or Cotton, but what I'm saying is going up against that whole system. Yeah, up it's, there, a, it's a finger in the need, dike. You're going to yeah. need a lot more. Yeah. yeah, you're going to need a lot more than just Tom Cotton and, and Holly doing it. And there's no no one in the Democratic Party who who's no, on top because of the this. whole thing incentivizes this behavior. The problem is the I don't know how we fix it because this is a huge security problem. It's a huge problem. We have warped our policies for decades in order to meet the needs of, of multinational corporate leaders and the leaders of foreign countries who give a lot of money to our politicians' re-election campaigns and to their family pet causes. And it needs to stop, because mm-hmm. we, I don't recognize the country anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Brandon, uh, last thing, you uh, I just saw you tweeted, I'd love you to repeat it, about what you tweeted about Jared Kushner and, and, and the Middle East. Oh, yes. 
Well, you know, Jared gets a lot of flack, and, and, you know, I disagree with him on certain things. Particularly, I thought he his we, his weakest stuff was the domestic programs right. that he was supporting. Oh, yeah. But on foreign, po- on foreign policy, I mean, he is... He has been, I would say, as much of a foreign policy guru as Henry Kissinger was in his A-Day. And the irony here is that we were told Kushner was incompetent and couldn't do anything right. And, you know, the, all, you know the whole litany against yeah. him. Um, but, but he has done, particularly for the Middle East, uh, he has clarified things so well. And he has sat atop this movement to stabilize the region while still allowing for us to extricate ourselves from some of these outstanding conflicts without betraying our allies, notably in Israel. That he 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 really he really actually was sort of a shadow secretary of state. And um, he, he, I you, I have disagreements with him on many issues, and I I did not like the stories coming out about how he created the shell company and funneled. Six hundred plus million dollars of campaign cash into the family's coffers, but when it came to the Middle East policy in particular and foreign policy in general, he got it and he did very well. And he should be given all of the plaudits for it because whatever success this country has in avoiding another major conflict in the region while still protecting our interests and our allies, it's going to be because of the things that he did over the last four years. Nicely put. Brandon, thanks for spending your time with us and Thank uh, you for having me. Let us, letting us exercise your vocal cords a little bit. Godspeed, <laughs> quick repair, Merry Christmas. We'll talk to you Christmas. Monday next week when you will be in fine fettle. Hopefully, yes. Thank you. You will be. Thank you, Brandon Weicker. God bless you. <laughs> Author of Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Do we need to have more Barry Manilow bumper? No, that, I, I could have predicted that answer from you. I might push back. Copacabana? Can we have the Copacabana as an out? I, I find a good part of an out with Copacabana. Who sings that song better, by the way? Meatloaf or Barry Manilow? Who do you think? You do? Yeah. It was written by Jim Steinman, so he was Meatloaf's writer Gave it to Barry Manilow when they were fighting, and they both ended up doing it. Lindsey Graham, um, he can take and he can give. <laughs> you know, when he's good, it's like what was once said about Winston Churchill. When he's good, he's great, and when he's wrong, OMG. Um, he said today, with all due respect to Attorney General William Barr, my concern is the scope of the Delaware investigation into Hunter Biden is limited to a tax fraud and will not be a thorough review of Hunter Biden's extensive business dealings with foreign nations. The question for the country is, to what extent did Hunter Biden and his family have problematic business dealings with China, Russia, and other nations, which could impact the Biden administration's foreign policy? Some investigative body needs to take a broader view beyond the tax issue. Well, I agree with the sentiment. And I'm also paging the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee who can hold hearings and has subpoena power. And the chairman of the Judiciary Committee is indeed one Lindsey Graham. So, you know, whether we're going to get a special prosecutor on this or not, I don't know. But I will I will tell you that I 
I, I certainly think it merits one, um, given the threat of China, given much more evidence of payback and pay-for-play and much more evidence of influence peddling between China and the Bidens than there ever was with the Ukrainian government and Donald Trump or, or, or Russia and Donald Trump. Hell, there was more shenanigans between the Ukrainian government and Hunter Biden than there was with Ukrainians and Donald Trump. And for that, Donald Trump was impeached a year ago, almost exactly a year ago Friday. Boy, that seems forever ago. You know why? The Democrats in the media have us move on from things they don't want us to remember. And that just was a whole big ado about nothing. But it does go to a big part and parcel of what the Democratic campaign against Trump has been for four years, starting with the fact that he won the 2016 election, the longest, as Byron York said, the longest allegations of election tampering in the history of America was the Democrats' response to Donald Trump's election. Tevi Troy coming up. Don't go away.